flourishing families with Dr. Daughter Blatt, the switched-on kids chiropractor, and her passionate friends, sharing the secrets of inspiring wellness to help your families thrive. I've got Christy Lee Enning with me today from Honeysuckle Dental, and she's going to talk to us about uh, well, tongue ties and lip ties and things like that, and I'm so pleased you could be here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I've given people your name. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm a general dentist, and I've done some additional training in um, laser dentistry. So I did a master's of laser dentistry over in Slovenia. Um, and that's given me the opportunity to have a bit of a better understanding about tongue ties and things like that and the release and the benefit of the release. Um, but I've also got a nursing background before I did dentistry, so that's also sort of um, piqued my interest in that area. Right. Yeah. Well, we, we just spoke before about you potentially being a little bit hyperactive. You have definitely <laughs> <laughs> you have confirmed my suspicion. You're crazy. Yeah, so what, why uh, taking a course in Slovenia? Yeah, well, the academy over in Slovenia has, uh, so it's with a laser and health academy, um, they produce the lasers that I use in my clinic, and they're one of the best lasers in the world. Um, and so the training academy that they have there is really comprehensive, and so that's why I've done the travel over to Slovenia to do the training okay. um, on site. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit about, uh, there's a lot of, I think for many parents, there's a lot of confusion about what the tongue tie or lips, you know, lip stuff, what, what, what is it that you actually look for and work with? Yeah, so often I get a lot of mums coming in with babies um, that are having challenges with their feeding patterns, sleeping patterns, um, babies that have, you know, not being able to breastfeed effectively and have had to go onto bottle feeding and parents that are wanting to um, improve the feeding experience, um, often reporting that their children or their babies have got reflux or colic, very unsettled sleeping. And so when they come in to see me, we're doing an evaluation to see if those feeding patterns, if there's a contributing factor from tongue tie release or um, tongue, tongue tie yeah. that might require some release or some intervention, um, but also checking the other tissues within the mouth, checking um, lip ties as well and buckle ties and just seeing what the movement or range of movement is of all of those oral tissues. So what I hear you say is that you're doing quite a, a comprehensive assessment, uh, both of the, the symptom, if you wish, but also what may be the cause. Yes. It's yeah. not enough just to come in and say, okay, well, you know, I, I lift my child's or my baby's tongue up and I can see that it's tired and I want it done. Yeah, so there's quite a number of factors that we're evaluating. So everyone has a freedom attachment or that, that piece of tissue that's under the tongue or under the lip um, that tethers the tongue in some way. It's whether or not that tissue is restrictive and functionally limiting in um, you know feeding, uh, food, consumption for older toddlers as well, not just babies, yeah. um, speech development and other factors. So there has to be some limiting factors there that contribute to it in order for us to want to treat that. Right. Yeah. And, and how, how can, or is there a way that parents can have a look in their baby's mouth and say, oh, it looks like I should possibly see someone about this? Yeah, some parents will come in and say, look, I can definitely see they've got um, tissue under their tongue that's going all the way to the tip of the tongue <clears throat> and I've got a family history and my other kids have had a release and I think my child needs a release as well and that's yeah. often why they come in. 
Um, sometimes they just don't know what they're looking for, which is understandable. You have to have a trained eye as to yeah. know what to check for. Um, and they'll just say, look, I just want to get it checked. And that's perfectly fine as well. Yeah. yeah. So do you work with lactation consultants and people like that? Yeah, we have a really good network um, where we work liaise with lactation consultants, um, people like yourself as well. Uh, where we refer off um, for body work or myofascial work as well. So it's not just limited to the release. There are other aspects that we need to consider in that treatment. As a retraining after not having functioned properly. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you know, you know, if the tissue is restricted there, like any muscle or any other tissue in the body, if it's not being able to be used effectively you then have to train it how to how to walk properly or how to do something properly it's the same with the tongue yeah yeah and uh, someone told me that the tongue is the is it the strongest muscle in the body yeah. or yeah the one that works the most yeah there's yeah. quite a group of muscles that all work together so yeah. it's a very strong muscle yeah yeah it's, it's pretty cool uh, so you mentioned buckle ties Um, that's not something that is spoken so much about. Do you want to explain what, what that is? Yeah, so, I mean, it's one of the least common or least treated tie in the mouth. It doesn't tend to um, affect as many people. Um, but when we're doing the oral assessment, we're checking for all of the different tissue types and anatomy there and seeing whether or not there might be some restrictions in the movement of the lips as well as the tongue or the cheeks. So that's just one of the assessment areas. We tend to find buckle ties affect more so um, people who are a little bit older and they've got the eruption of their teeth and they might have some recession to the gum as a result of really tight ties around their cheeks. So they're functioning and they've got good muscle strength there, but then with that, that's actually pulling on the gum. So sometimes okay. we might release that when they're a little bit older if needed as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, does buckle tie affect breastfeeding? Um, it can, depends. It's like any tissue. If it's restricted and it's limiting movement, it can affect it. So we're wanting to get all that muscle working nice and freely. Um, and if that's one of the ties that's, that's restricting that, then yeah, definitely. Uh, that's excellent. What, what are your thoughts on um, this uh, epidemic in tongue ties? As it seems like some people are preferring, um, they're referring to it like that. Do you feel that there are an increasing number of ties or is it more that we're more aware of them or what's what's happening? I think there's a change in the education about ties um, and historically ties were treated back in the 1800s as well um, through conventional methods of using scissors or a scalpel um, and as the education has changed and we're seeing kids coming through like that everyone can compensate to a point yes and so it's just trying to enable everyone to function to their best ability and now with the development of laser technology as well those procedures can be performed a lot safer than what they historically have been able to be performed and so they're more prevalent in terms of treatment um, not necessarily in incidents. Right okay um, so so tell me what the difference is in uh, I mean obviously I, I know the the um what am I trying to say you know what to, what the difference is between a scalpel and a pair of scissors and a laser yeah that's easy enough yeah. but what sort of difference is there in outcome from the different way of approaching a tie yeah so um with the release of a, a, a laser speaking from experience I'm finding that patient's recovery time is a lot better because the tissue that we're actually releasing there is 
Um, it's a very superficial layer. We're only releasing the tissue that we need to get adequate movement. But the laser works really effectively at creating a nice little fibrin layer over the top, almost like a body's self-made Band-Aid. It's really protective and nourishing of the tissue, so you get a good clot forming over there and a good healing um, area as well. Um, and the laser in the treatment of it, you're finding we're not needing to use local anesthetics to treat it, so you don't have that downtime immediately after. Um, there's that reduced pain um, stimulation after as well. So, um, yeah, I'm finding lasers to be a very effective tool. Yeah. To so, so what's the what, what is it in the laser that makes that um, protective band-aid, for lack of a better word? Yeah, so the lasers work, uh, there's a couple of different types of lasers, and the laser that I use is an erbium YAG laser, so it's actually a cold laser. Okay. Um, it's not producing a heat response, which means that you're not getting that pain response that you would get with other lasers such okay. as a diode, so right. that's why we prefer to use that one. Um, and in the creation of that cutting, it's sealing the tissue as well to a, to a point. But your body is producing that um, smear layer over the top okay. as it's cut. Well, I, I thought that was because of the heat, but it's not. No. So oh, okay. this one's an ablation laser, but it's a cold um, laser. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what what is the healing recovery time after having had a procedure done? It, it, let's just say in an average, I don't know, six week old. Yeah, so um, as you said, like it does vary depending on the age and, and the severity of the tie previous. Um, but generally you'll find you'll get good closure of that wound within five days or so. You'll see good changes in the tissue health and, and changes in closure within five days or so. Within two weeks, we're developing good muscle tone to the area with exercises that we prescribe as well. Um, and then after about four weeks, we're really seeing a big change. Um, Excellent. Yeah, to the feeding patterns, but movement of the tongue. Yeah. So when you had just had it done, would you expect that the, let's just stick to the six-week-old baby and let's say the breastfed, would they be able to feed uh, straight away? Yeah. So immediately after the procedure, I get all mothers to feed their babies, whether it be breastfed, bottle-fed. Um, and some parents will report an immediate um, improvement, and I see that quite often. So um, generally you'll notice less clicking when they're feeding, a better deeper latch, um, less milk dribbling out, less regurgitation, a reduction in um, reflux symptoms and a longer feed as well. So okay. often parents will say they're feeding for very short periods, arching the back uncomfortable, reattaching frequently, and then they'll have to take them off and then try again. Yeah. And this is a pattern that they form. So over that time, they're very unsettled. But often I will witness immediately after extended feeding um, and no challenges. So the then. baby's comfortable on yeah. the breast, comfortable feeding, and probably not fatiguing as much. Exactly. Uh, because yeah. it is hard work feeding. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You may not think so. <laughs> uh, and what about uh, that whole risk of reattachment? That seems to be the biggest fear for, for parents. Yeah, so with the laser, the other fantastic thing is because we're really um, cutting and sealing that tissue to a point. Um, the reattachment rates are a lot lower than what it would be from a conventional scissor release or, or a scalpel release. We're not needing to place any stitches or sutures there, so that's fantastic as well. Um, but it is really important that these parents are doing exercises with their babies, and we prescribe those um, to get the tissue moving and to reduce the likelihood of reattachment. So it doesn't matter what procedure you, you do, there is going to be some risk there and we're minimising that through exercises. Okay. So um, I, I'm just, you can't really show us what exercises, but what, what do parents have to do to make sure that the reattachment doesn't happen? 
So usually I'll get the parents, um, which I show them at the time, but we get parents to basically have their child on their lap with their head closest to them so that they can get a good look at the tissues. Yeah. And we're lifting the tongue up towards the roof of the mouth and pushing it towards the back of the mouth as well, just so getting, that full, the room, yeah, getting the yeah. full range of movement yeah. um, and running fingers along the ridge as well, getting the tongue to chase that. And under the lip, the vis, as in the vis of the mouth, yes, of the, right, yeah. or the gums, of the gums, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and with the top lip, we're getting that lip lifting all the way up again toward the nose, so we can see that lip flanging all the way up. Yeah. And it's really just moving the tissue within its normal range of movement now that it's been released. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> when they can actually do it. Uh, so you mentioned that uh, older, you said toddlers and older children could mm-hmm. have issue, issues as well. What um, would be a a symptom maybe that you would expect or suspect that there's an, uh, a, tip, a lip tie or a tongue tie yeah. uh, with an, an older child? So often I'll see kids coming in with um, challenges with feeding. They might have had some choking episodes over time or trouble with clearing food from the roof of their mouth. They tend to pack food in the pockets and they have challenges um, with their brushing and cleaning of their teeth. Po- pockets well. of the mouth rather yeah. than the pockets of their clothes. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> My son used to put food in his pockets as he <laughs> his hands. <laughs> yeah, so often you'll find food in the in the cheeks and around the gums as well. Okay. Um, and not wanting to brush their teeth. So parents are often chasing their kids around the house because if they've got a tie there, sometimes that toothbrush can be a little bit uncomfortable to try and get in around those more difficult to reach places yeah. and so kids just don't want to do it at all. Yeah. yeah and what about speech what what would be a speech pattern of someone with a, a tongue tie um you but if there is one i don't yeah, know yeah yeah so um i do tend to find that kids have challenges with saying l sounds s sounds um, if they've got a, a tether there, they do compensate extremely well. So if I think that there's a speech challenge there, I'll send them off to a speech pathologist and get them to have a good look and do an assessment for me. Yeah. Um, and I'll do the examination within the mouth and just see whether there is some other restrictive movement of the tongue. Yeah. Um, but we're also looking at the shape of the palate as well. And often in a kid that's got a tongue tie, you'll find that their palate has got a really high vault. They don't have that flattened, broad palate that you would see in someone whose tongue rests at a normal position yeah and, and why is that um, when the tongue is restricted it tends to lie on the floor of the mouth and so as we grow we're reliant on the tongue being such a important muscle and quite a strong muscle to actually help the movement and the growth of the bones that are and associated structures as well so basically what you're saying is if the tongue is not putting pressure at the roof of the mouth you're not getting the expansion of the of the That's top right. jaw to to the extent it just narrows up and gets That's quiet. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, does that affect sinus issues potentially? It can affect yeah. sinus issues as yeah. well. The maxillary sinus sits right above that structure so that can change the pattern in which that forms um, and also we can find if the tongue is not moving and sitting in the right appropriate areas when you're feeding or drinking, um, you can get some of that fluid running up or regurgitation up into the sinus area, especially in oh, really? babies, yeah. and um, that can certainly give them some sinusitis or chronic infection of that area as well. Yeah, oh, that doesn't sound very good. Um, so with regards to the adult, is this something that may have gone unnoticed um, until you get that little bit older? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I see um, often 
some parents will come in with a, a newborn, they're having trouble feeding, and then they'll say, oh, my parents said that I had the same problems when I was a kid. And you might look in their mouth and see that they also have a tongue tie and they've compensated extremely well over the course of their life. Um, but they might report that they've got con- report that they've got constant headaches, or um, they tend to posture forward and they get you know back aches, shoulder aches, and these things can all be related to a tongue tie as well. So sometimes we're diagnosing later in life, but still res- you know getting a, a very good treatment outcome from working yeah. with releasing that as well as doing some body work with them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess I'm wondering if your tongue is tied. You were saying that the toddlers end up with food in the pocket of their cheeks or whatever mm-hmm. I imagine that uh, an adult would often have um, the same well, well yeah or, or health tooth health issues because Absolutely. they can't clean you know even if it's just you know without necessarily brushing the teeth but you're cleaning your teeth yeah with your tongue and, yeah absolutely so you yeah. can find that there's an increased rate of caries or decays as might be known yeah um and positioning of the bite patterns as, as well and that can also have structural or implications to the joint um in the jaw so so can you just repeat that for me so uh, position of the what sorry um so of of the jaws themselves so the the teeth position can be altered by having some tethered tissues and as a result that can impact on just the overall structures or relationship to the jaw in the mouth yeah so if you have like a, a lip tie it might keep the front teeth uh, further apart is that uh, what yeah, you're saying so you yeah. can have a lip tie where your teeth at the top there um the two front teeth the centrals can have a gap between them and that can be associated with the lip tie um but also in terms of growth of the mandible or the lower jaw and the maxilla the top jaw you can have discrepancies there and so the relationship between the top jaw and the bottom jaw can be altered too oh okay Oh, that doesn't sound like that. would be very good. Uh, So how long have you been doing this sort of work? Uh, So I've been a dentist for five years, um, but prior to that, as I was saying, I was doing my um, nursing. And so I've had, um, in terms of the laser releases, I've been doing this since I basically started um, working as a dentist. And the last three years have really um, done a lot more training in that area. Yeah. but prior to that, when I was a nurse as well, I was fortunately getting to go around doing home visits um, and working with babies and things, doing lactation consultants, so consultations. So that's certainly helped okay. um, with this field as well. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. So you know a little bit about everything from all angles. That's that's very yeah, useful. Um, do you have a um, a favorite? Um, I don't know a favorite type of work that you that you think? Oh, I have a day full of this. What, what's your what's your bliss day at work? Uh, oh gosh, it varies so much. Um, I really love just seeing sort of new patients and making treatment plans with them and deciding how we're going to go about it. Um, but um, restorative work with the laser, I love doing that. So you know, reconstructing patient smiles, yeah. but also working with kids. I love working with the kids. Yeah. So they're always good fun. They prove to be a challenge sometimes, I was they're good say, fun. I, I could imagine that some of them might not want to sit in your chair for oh, very yeah, long. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what, what do you do, actually, if you have a... Um, um, it should probably be a one-year-old. Let's talk about someone with teeth. How the heck do you get in there? <laughs> sometimes we have to go back to the basics and just sitting in mum's lap or dad's lap 
toothbrush in hand and just look at counting teeth and brushing teeth and just get a good look that way okay. build up some trust sometimes on the first visit we might not be able to have a look at anything at all it's just getting to know that child and that child understanding who we are and what we do yeah um and make a bit of a game of it and then as we continue to see them over the course of you know their life yeah. they become more and more familiar with us so so what if they have a tie though how, how would you even can you can you assess it uh, often we'll be able to assess it and we'll be able to get a, a, a bit of a look there. We may need a number of appointments to do a really comprehensive assessment. Yeah. In terms of releasing it, if it needs to be released, then we evaluate that timing once we build up some rapport. So I've got a little boy at the moment who I've been seeing since he was around about eight months or so. Didn't want me anywhere near him at eight months. He's now um, 13 months we'll say yeah. and um loves coming in he oh. gets excited jumps in the chair and we've had a chat to him about what we're going to do yeah. you wouldn't think at 13 months that they would understand really but he's like nodding carrying you know yeah. and we've we've been able to do quite a bit of other treatment with him and he's been fantastic so <laughs> the next step when we get to it should be interesting again but should be good <laughs> well i suppose one step at a time yeah that's right uh, and uh, I'm, i'm sort of throwing this at you and you may or may not uh, be able to do this but uh, can you think of a, a an episode or a, a work person that you've uh, cared for that has been particularly funny or a bit weird or um oh look i've had all sorts of wonderful people in my chair there's been um there's one patient in particular that I can think of that when she first came in was absolutely refusing to have any treatment she'd sit there and go are we done yet and I'm like I haven't even looked in your mouth yet (laughs) (laughs) um but over time we've sort of you know got into a bit of a game of everything and so we might have 10 minutes where she'll go okay there's your 10 minutes you're done now yeah and now she'll come in just to have a chat so she's a little one or an adult this is an adult adult patient yeah Yeah. so uh, she'll come in for a little chat she'll be like okay i guess you can look at my teeth she's she's always good well it's better that way than the other way because usually you've got 16 instruments in your mouth and the dentist says so how was your holiday oh yeah yeah i do that too sometimes i have to think no no Okay, um, so do you have any like uh, advice for so th- this is for the people that we care for at this practice, I suppose? Uh, do you have any advice for mums of young babies what to maybe look out for and and be aware of? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, often mums will come to me and they'll say, "I've seen um, you know lactation consultants. I've seen." lots of other midwives and and pediatric specialists and they've all said to me oh no no it's fine but they have an overwhelming sense that something's not quite right with their feeding they're noticing that they've got clicking um when they're trying to get a good latch um it's painful for them to feed if they're still breastfeeding and sometimes they haven't been able to successfully breastfeed and they've had to transfer to bottle feeds um and they're spilling milk babies unsettled if you really feel like something's going on don't be afraid to go and get another opinion um there's never never any harm in getting another opinion so um go ahead and do that and um when you do see the clinician that you're seeing just ask them how do they do a release if they if one is indicated do they use a laser what type of laser are they using um is it a cold laser like the erbium yag laser that we use um or is it conventional scissors and then looking at different outcomes for that patient you know based on what they need so ask lots of questions basically yeah yeah Yeah. um okay that that's excellent advice i think it's one of those things with mothers often know best yeah Uh, even though we might look in there and or or might care for them in certain ways and say no 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 you're fine 
Yeah. Um, but if you're not fine, you're not yeah. fine. If, yeah. yeah. If you have an overwhelming sense that something's not right, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and how can people contact you? Where, where can they find you? Yeah, so I'm based at Honeysuckle Dental in Newcastle. Um, and so you can ring our surgery and, and more than happy to make an appointment there and do a consult for you. Okay, and your name? And, and I'm Chrissy Lee Anning, <laughs> and uh, <a> general dentist. <laughs> at Honeysuckle. Honey, Honeysuckle Dental, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Family Chiropractic or the host. Brought to you by Family Chiropractic Centre, Charlestown. Serving the families in Newcastle, Lake Macquarie and Charlestown.